Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm really glad that you're here today. Thank you so much for those of you who are here. And uh, we might have a few people out on the backstage patio. I kind of doubt it. But anyway, if you're back there, we're glad that you're here too. Thanks for joining um, online. This morning, we are, as Josh mentioned, really bringing together this series that we've been in for three weeks in John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles or devices, I'll ask you to turn to John chapter 15. And I really want to encourage you, if you haven't been a part uh, these last three weeks, I want to encourage you to go back Go back to the app, go back to YouTube, Facebook, social media, uh, go back to our website and check out the last few weeks because while today will make sense if you weren't a part of things, I think it'll make more sense maybe if you were. So I just want to ask you to consider doing that uh, this morning. Last week, I really felt like God was, was moving in a very unique and unusual way last week in our services. And so I just want to ask for his Holy Spirit to continue that process. Uh, as we've been talking about abiding, I, I believe that he is doing some, some really you know, interesting and unique things and individual things in and through you and, and me here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. So I'm just going to ask that we start with prayer And so would you join me as we pray for God to lead us and guide us before we dive in. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you how it changes us. God, I thank you that you are a God who's involved in our lives, that you care about us. And Father, I thank you so much that before you left your followers so long ago, Before you left them physically, you reminded them, and you remind us, you give us the instruction to abide with you. Father, I pray for those who walked into this room, maybe in the backstage patio, maybe listening, who walked in today, God, with um, maybe a, a heavy burden. Father, maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe they've been harmed or hurt in some form or fashion, and today they're walking in with a heavy burden. Father, I pray that they would be willing to lay that at your feet. You're willing and you're ready to take that burden off their shoulders. And Father, I pray that you would help us, God, to abide with you, to realize that our level of producing fruit for you is directly tied to how much time we spend resting in you. Help us to see what it means to bear fruit, to be looking out for those things, to be ready and available and faithful. And would your Holy Spirit lead us and guide us this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We're kind of in election season. You guys know I don't talk about politics I'm not this morning either, okay? So uh, before you jump out of here and like, oh, great, rough Thanksgiving, uh, I, I, I don't want to talk about politics, but it is election season, and uh, by the way, if you live on Hilton Head, I want to remind you to go to the polls this week and, uh, and vote because we have a runoff uh, for mayor, and so I want to encourage you to be a part of the process, uh, but you know, it's interesting, we elect many officials, but do you realize there are hundreds of, of officials who are appointed they're appointed. There are governors all around this country who have different, different levels in their government where they're appointing different people. They're assigning different people to a responsibility or a task. The idea of appointment 
covers all parts of our society, whether it's military, whether it's academic, whether it's in business, in the church. There are appointments that happen all the time, and an appointment specifically is an act of someone who's in a position to assigning a job or a position to someone. It happens here within the church. We, we call it volunteering, or in some cases, voluntolding, right? <laughs> and it's interesting because in some environments, when there's an appointment, when there's uh, this, this uh, assignment that's ready to be made, there might be a couple people who kind of are vying for competing for that particular assignment. And they'll get, they'll get their resume all looking better and looking good. And, uh, you know, they'll do things. They'll, they'll begin to compete for this assignment. And they'll desire and they will go out and they will strive for and fight for this assignment or this appointment or this position that is now available. It begins with a hard effort. And then the one who's responsible appoints that person. And I love that in the body of Christ, that God chose to appoint us once we've rested. He chose to put us to work when we try the least. He chose to allow us to bear fruit in his kingdom, to be kingdom-minded people, to be ones who reach out to those who may need Jesus the most but he does it when we have rested in him. I want you to allow that to sink in. That in the, in the church, in, the, in, in our life with Christ, when it comes to bearing fruit, we don't have to try to bear fruit. In fact, we're not even supposed to try to bear fruit. Our job is to remain connected to Jesus. In week one of the series, we talked about the idea of living apart from Jesus. Last week we talked about what it means to abide with Jesus, to be grafted into the vine. And this week I want us to look, look at what God's word says in John chapter 15 about him appointing us to do good work. I want us to talk about the fruit bearing process because I think it's important that you and I as followers of him and as people who want to bear fruit that we look at what it looks like so that we are paying attention, that we're ready, and that we're available, and that we're faithful when the time comes for us to be productive in his kingdom. Let's read John 15. Now, John 15, I want to remind you of this. We talked about it in week one. This is Jesus' farewell address. He's about ready to leave physically his disciples and his followers. And I love the fact that Jesus told his disciples that he was leaving, and yet he talks to them about abiding. And listen, I want you to hear that today, that even though we may be physically apart from our Savior, we can abide with him. They needed to hear that in the first century. They needed to hear that then. We need to hear that now. And so the whole concept, this whole illustration that he uses of the vine and the branches happens in the context of him telling his followers, hey, I'm going to be leaving but you can remain in me. And we can do the same thing today. 
I'm going to read verses 1 through 17 all the way through the whole illustration this week, but I'm going to really slow down and focus on verses 12 through 17. But I want us to read, and I appreciate Josh reading it earlier, and I want us to continue that because I think reading the Word of God over and over again, it begins to seep in, and we begin, as we talked about last week, to absorb it. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Unless you abide in me. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, say it with me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And then in verse 9, in verse 10, Jesus begins to introduce the idea of love. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that your joy may be full, and or excuse me, that your joy may, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Now look at verse 12. He comes back to this concept of love. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. He says, greater love has no one than this, than he lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. It's kind of interesting at this point. I just want to stop for a moment and point out the fact that all of a sudden in verses 9 and 10, and then and again in verses 12 and 13, Jesus introduces to this metaphor the concept of love and of friendship, and it almost seems like it's kind of like out of context of the whole thing. It's kind of like Jesus is preaching, and he's gone down a rabbit trail. It's like Todd talking about Georgia. Go dogs. <laughs> But he does this on purpose, and you're going to see what the purpose is in a moment. He does this for a reason. He does it intentionally. He shifts the conversation to talk about love because that's the whole point of bearing fruit. He wants us to be friends because that's the whole thing he did for us. Verse 14, you are my friends. There's a qualifier there right? If you do what I commanded you. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you, say it with me, friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you. That's where this word comes from today. I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Now, I want you to be reminded today that our willingness to abide, this whole idea of abiding, is a choice that you and I make as Christ followers, as people who have accepted him as our Savior. We have the choice and we have the opportunity. We can choose to abide or we can choose to be detached, detached from God. See, verse 16 says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. But the fact is, is he did. He's the one that comes to the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. But the fact is, is that we in our Christian lives, we can choose to live attached with Jesus, live attached to Jesus, or we can choose to live detached from him. And my question to you today is, where are you? Are you attached to Jesus are you detached from him? Because that's the thing. That's the thing that is going to determine whether or not you bear fruit, whether or not I bear fruit, is whether or not we are attached to the vine. You see, fruit bearing comes first from God abiding. We don't, we don't go bear much fruit and then decide that we're going to be attached. It doesn't work like that. We're attached to the vine. We are connected to God. We abide with him. And then we bear fruit for him. What kind of fruit? I think Paul describes it in Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. I love this because when we moved into this building all the way back in 2012, we were in a series on the fruit of the Spirit. Right when we moved into this building, I think that was a God thing for Hilton Head Island Community Church. Because this is the fruit that he talks about. Check this out. The Apostle Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, and it's joy, and it's peace, and it's that word I don't like, patience, <laughs> kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And he says, Against such things there is no law. See, I think we need to know what it looks like to bear fruit. And Jesus says, if you spend time in me, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. Not that's right about everything in the world. Not that is out to prove everyone else in your life wrong, even on Thanksgiving when they want to sit at a different table than you want to sit at and eat at a different time than you want to eat at. <laughs> It doesn't say that we have to be right about everything and be justified in our ways and have a personality that just fits in this little bubble and kind of act a certain way. God says to us that when we bear fruit, that it means that we're going to love people around us, that we're going to have joy and we're going to express joy to those around us. That we're going to be peaceful with the people around us and in certain circumstances that we're going to have patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness 
and self-control. See, we make up in our minds as Christ followers what we think based on maybe something someone said once or maybe what kind of the religious kind of environment that we grew up in. We made up in our minds what we think fruit is. And so we have our list of things that we're looking for. And oftentimes, if we aren't abiding with him, the list of things, the page that we have is quite different than the the page that God has of those things that he's looking for. Jesus brings love into the equation of what it means to bear fruit, church, because love is the key ingredient in being a Christ follower. I, I don't know a whole lot about being a, a winemaker. Be glad that your pastor doesn't know too much about being a winemaker. But I, knew, I do know this. I know that there are dozens and dozens and dozens of different chemicals that are contained in wine. I know that there are dozens and dozens and dozens of different ingredients that are contained in wine. In fact, I did have to go look to find out what they are. Some of you will be very thankful for that. There's potassium, there's sugar, there's sulfur dioxide. Not even really sure what that is, but that's okay. There are tannins. There are natural flavors in some wine. I guess there are some unnatural flavors. But anyway, there are many different ingredients. But there is one ingredient that makes wine, wine. Some of you know what it is. Yeast. Yeast. You know what wine is that doesn't contain yeast? Welch's grape juice. Wine is not wine without the yeast. It's what makes it distinctive. It's what makes it wine. It's what makes it the thing that is produced by the vines. It's the thing that they're looking for. All wine contains yeast. And anything that is not wine doesn't have yeast in it. And that's true for you and me. And it's why Jesus introduced love into the equation when he's talking about what we are producing, the fruit that we're producing. He says, you are, my friends, if this happens. He says, these are my commands if you do this. And the whole thing centers around the key ingredient in the Christ follower, and it's love. That's our yeast. See, a Christ follower without love is just a person. We're just people. Love is the key ingredient. A Christ follower is not a Christ follower without it. And Jesus said as much back in Matthew 22, 37. He, he said to people who were asking, what's the greatest commandment? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And this is the great and first commandment, he says. And the second, he says, is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and prophets. And look, I get it. Being love to the people around us is a tall order sometimes. And some of you are like, why are you preaching this on the week of Thanksgiving, Todd? Come on. 
Couldn't you just saved this for Christmas? This is a much better message for Christmas, right? So much easier because Cousin Eddie's coming over this week. And he's going to park his RV at my house, but not in any plantations. Okay, we understand that, all right? And he's annoying in my family. I just, Todd, you can't preach this message this week. They're coming to my house. I have to go to their house, and I got to get ready for the fight. I got to get ready for the argument. I got to get ready to stand. And I got to get ready to go to war. And here's my challenge to you, is why not take this week to put the weapon down? Use this Thanksgiving as a laboratory to produce the fruit that Jesus is talking about. To be truly lovely to that person who's unlovely. To extend grace to the EGR person. You know what EGR person is? Extra grace required person. <laughs> to be lovely to that person that's not so lovely to you. You see, when we truly love God, we will love people. We may do it in our own style, in our own temperament, with our own personality, and in our own way. God's not looking for something cookie-cutter. He's not looking for a tom-tom or a robot, but he's looking for you and for me to love those around us. In fact, it's our first fruit. Our first fruit is to love God and love people. Boy, we make it so much more complicated, don't we, church? We make it so much more complicated, and Jesus just says, hey, here's your job. Love God and love people. Because from that are a thousand different spokes that are meaningful, but it's not the main ingredient. It's not the main ingredient. Jesus says in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you. I want to stop for a moment today. I want to stop for a second today because some of you did walk in here with heavy burdens. I want, you to, I want you to read those verses that are on the screen. Some of you are watching at home. You need to hear this. He chose you. At your worst, knowing everything about you, knowing every decision that you would make, he still chose you. He still chose me. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and he appointed you. Listen, we are appointed by God to love people like God loves people. That's our job. That's it. That's it. Once we have rested and once we have chosen to abide, then God appoints us to love people like he loved people. Well, how did he love people? I want you to answer this. To what extent did Jesus love you? How much did he love you? He loved you so much that he what? He died on the cross for you. Yeah, some of you said it. He, he loved you so much that he died on the cross for you. And the Bible says that we are to love people the way that God loves people. Does that mean that we have to die for people? Not necessarily, but it means that we need to sacrifice ourselves 
for others. That's the kind of love he's looking for. That when you're at odds with a friend, that perhaps you choose to let your wants and your needs go for the good of them. That when you are wanting to eat at noon because you get a little hangry and it's Thanksgiving and there's a lot of people around and everybody else wants to eat at 2 o'clock, have a little snack, all right? Get through it. It's putting our needs second to the needs of others. That's how we love other people. And I'm not saying it's easy, church, but it wasn't easy for God to love us And he did anyway, didn't he? He did anyway. And then he says this in verses 14 through 15. So he talks about love, and then he talks about friendship. And here's where I want to land today. And I want you to, I I really want you to get this friendship idea. He says this in John 15, 14 and 15. He says, you are my friends. And there's a caveat, there's a condition there. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. And he says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. I want you to think about the fact that the God of the universe says, if you do what I command, if you love others the way that I've loved you, then you move from a place of being a servant to a place as a friend. When we love people like God loves people, we move from status as a servant to status as a friend. Listen, a friend of God, the creator of the universe. Let that land on you for a moment. He calls you his friend. That is very important. That is very heavy for us to realize that God calls us his friend, that when we begin to love people like God loves people, when we begin to make those decisions, the decisions that would reflect what we just read, all those different verses in Galatians chapter 5, love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and self-control, that when we do that, when we do that thing, that we go from being a servant that just takes orders to being a friend. I want you to think about your best friend in your life. What do you do with the best friend? Call him up and you share great news, don't you? Call him up and you say, guess what, man? I just got that job. I just got that degree. I just got engaged. I know you didn't believe it was ever going to happen. I did. Then you call your friends up when things aren't going well. You celebrate with them. Guess what my kid did? And then guess what my kid did? <laughs> They know everything. And all of a sudden, you move from a place of being like as, as an employee of an organization. Sometimes you're just given the instructions and you don't know all that's there. And Jesus says here, I have given you everything. I'm giving you the whole story. Remember that he's in the midst of telling them that I'm about ready to go die on a cross. And I'm going to be leaving. And I want you to know if you do this, if you love others as I have loved you, you will be my friend. We're appointed by God to love people like God loves 
people. And we, we do that. We move from a place of a servant to a place as a friend. But it all begins with abiding. It all begins with resting. It all begins with lingering with God. That is the key. My prayer for us is that we would linger with God, that we would remain with Him as if that first time that we were in love, like truly in love with someone. Do you remember that time in your life? When you fell in love, I mean everything that you did, you did for love, you did everything for love. Cynthia, I sound like I'm like starting a 1980s song right here, right? So anyway, Cynthia and I have been married for 27 years. She has put up with so much stuff over the years, let me tell you. I, I love her, but I remember when we fell in love. We were in college, and I would drop every class to go see her. I would say forget biology. We had a biology class together she attended very infrequently. I attended sometimes. And usually if we both weren't there, it's because we were together, all right? She got an A, I got a B. I don't know how that happens, but it happens. She's smarter than I am. But I would drop everything to go see her and to go spend time with her. I would give up everything to spend time with the one that I love. And I just wish that we as a church could have a little bit of that passion for the Savior. My hope on this Thanksgiving is that we could have that tender kind of first love and, and love matures over time and it gets different and it changes and all that kind of thing. But you stay in love in part because you, you, you work into the discipline of that love. And so what if you and I, what if we love Jesus so much that we would spend so much time with him that we remained in him through the highs and the lows and the good and the bad and the ups and the downs and the good news and the bad news and the failing him and the being faithful to him? What if we just decided that we were going to remain? What an incredible thing that he would do in our lives and in our church if we individually and collectively decided that we are going to remain. He has appointed you and he's appointed me and he's appointed this church to bear much fruit. But it's time to stop trying so hard and rest in him and remain in him. And ensure that he is the one that we're attached to. He is the one that we're abiding in. And once we have done that, then church, be ready, be willing, and be available. Because he will use you, he will use me, he will use us in amazing ways. Who are you attached to today? Allow this week, the week that we give thanks, to be a week that if you're attached to something else, if you are trying to receive your spiritual uh, nourishment from something or someone else, allow this to be the week that 
you begin to let go of that attachment and be attached to Jesus. Can we pray for that as a church? Can we pray for that for our lives? Can we imagine what God would do if we did that? He would do amazing things in your life and in my life. So let's ask him to do that. Father, I ask in the strong name of Jesus that you would be with those who came in here today and their attachment is to something or someone other than you. And they are trying desperately to receive spiritual nourishment from something that is empty. From someone that is empty. From a movement that's pointless. From a system that is man-made and dead inside. And Father, in John 15 and 17 verses, you simply lay it out there. Abide in me. Abide in me. Don't live life apart from me. I'm going to use you one way or the other. I want to see you flourish, so choose to abide in me. And then watch out and be ready and be willing because I am going to use you to bear fruit. Father, I pray that you would ready us, that you would prepare us, that you would allow us to go home today, to go home tonight, to, to be tomorrow awaiting your presence, willing to drop whatever it is in our life, in our lives that we're attached to so that we can run to you. Father, I thank you so much that in your preparation to physically leave this world, essentially what you say, what you said to your disciples then, and what you say to us now, is you can always abide in me. Help us to embrace that. Father, help us to draw near to you. And we thank you that you love us, that you chose us, and that you call us your friends. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said.